Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, welcome to Morning Bible Study with the Day of Prayer. Kyla, can you pray for us? Yes, I can. Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and thank you for that, what you're doing through us, God, and we just invite you into our midst, and we ask that you have your way with us, and you give us the insight to share, and what you would have us share with our listeners. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. 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 All right, so we're continuing this morning with, with Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 24. So can I get a volunteer to read from verse 24 to the end of the chapter, please? I'll read it. All right. Carla? Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 reads, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to which has been to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in in me mightily. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. Amen. Yes. So, I'll start with you guys. What is the Holy Spirit revealing to you? And or what questions do you have? I like what Paul brings up in verse 28 when he says, um, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It just reminded me of the end of James in chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. And it says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns his back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. So I was just reminded of that, how Paul taught these people and essentially taught them how parents teach their children like you and you dad and mommy discipline us when we stray in error to bring us back and correct us to save our soul in the grand scheme of life and show us how it is that we should walk and that we can pass it down to our children and hopefully our children will pass it down to their children as long as that continues before the Lord comes back and says okay it's time to go home but and Paul was doing this for these churches, and Timothy and his uh, the younger ones underneath him, he was teaching them and telling them, hey, this is the way we're supposed to go. This is how we're supposed to live. You should follow this, not just saying uh, concept and theory. You should follow this just because I think it's a good idea, but using proof to um, essentially back up what he's saying, mm-hmm. evidence, and much how we should teach our children, at least you and mommy teach us that way. 
Um, okay, the word of God says this, returning to the base and the foundation of life, if you will, creation. The word was with God and the word was God. Mm-hmm. And nothing that was made was made without him, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And just how sometimes we miss that. We just think of teaching and, well, I told you the word of God, but not really explaining and walking with them. That's a very important step. But I enjoy that Paul does this in his writing. And you really can see the Lord come through Paul and his teachings to help guide us now in this time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's more than just the teaching. Because right? Paul says in, in multiple places that he didn't, the teaching he gives isn't his. It didn't come from man, but it came from God, right? Which is. Just like Jesus says, the teaching I give isn't mine. But if anyone is willing to understand, is willing, he'll understand the teaching. Whether it comes from God, or whether I speak of myself. And what if both Jesus, Jesus first, because he's our pattern example, and then Paul later, what did they do? They just taught, and exhorted no. people, and encouraged, and admonished. and They lifted you know. out as an example. Exactly. So it's more than just, I taught you a lesson. As in, do these things. It's more than just words, but it is actions paired with the words, living out, or living out the lessons as an example and a pattern. Right? And you see that in all things. Um, <clears throat> I'm reminded of John, 1 John, where he gives the four spiritual states, if you will, as infants, as little children, as adolescents, and then. Ultimately, he says fathers, but that doesn't exclude mothers, right? But it, as, a, as a parent, whether you're a male, female, whatever, we should grow in Christ, mature in Christ to achieve that level of being a parent. Whether you have natural children of your own or not, right? Or is there spiritual children? The whole point and purpose of a parent is to teach them how or what being an adult looks like what being a parent looks like, at some point they should be able to teach you, children, should be able to teach others what that is and what it looks like and how to do it, not according to just the world's standards, but according to Christ and what he instructs us, how he instructs us in his word. Right? That's how, that's how we grow. And then each generation is able to build off the next one. They're able to stand. They're able to, to rightly divide the word of truth, separate um, what's holy from the profane, because they know. Because they've not just heard of the lessons, but they've seen it acted out. There have been the discussions. right? Or yes. uh, we can call it, in a, for a natural term, a master class at life. Now, that only comes from the Lord. In His leading and guiding through the Holy Spirit, through His Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And with all teaching, there, he's also kind of like if we take into account the entire first chapter of Colossians, mm-hmm. we look at Paul, he's telling them, this is your part, and he's also telling them how to perceive what he is doing. How, what, is, what is he going about doing here? Why is he doing this? Sometimes when someone approaches you to give you information, if you don't know how to place that information, it may not be received. Mm 
Does that make sense? If yeah, I yeah. if I start with I'm telling you this because God has assigned me to, he asked me to tell you this so that way you're able to stand and move forward and remain steadfast in the plan that God has for your life. Then the words that proceed afterwards or, you know, generally speaking around that same time frame, you go, oh, this is what you're talking about. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. He's already covered. Here's my role. This is what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Because God is ready to, you know, make this manifest and evident to mankind, to the world, things that have been secret and hidden in him. Um, But also, you have a part to play. No matter how much the Apostle Paul wanted these, these group of believers to stand, he could do nothing aside from sharing the information with them. The actual standing had to come as a result of their own desire, their own diligence, and their own commitment to the things and the ways of God. They had to do their part. And likewise, Paul had to do his. Both were needed. But when it came down to the last, the difference between success and failure, it was on the people, the hearers, right? The, the, yes. the believers to go, okay, I'm going to take what I know thus far, and I'm going to stand in it, God. And I'm going to allow you to show me and articulate to me, <clears throat> excuse me, things, what I need going forward. <clears throat> Pardon me. But make no mistake about it. As the believer, you have your own part to play. Dad and I, or, you know, the Holy Spirit can come and declare everything in the world to you. This is what I want. This is what I will be. This is where we're going. <clears throat> excuse me. But if you never take his word and mix it with faith in your own heart and bring into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God on the inside of your mind, what good will it profit you? I venture to say no more than it profited the children of Israel that fell in the the wilderness. What about Samson? He was called and appointed as a judge over Israel. But let's look at uh, the very condensed version of that story. An angel, the angel of the Lord came to his parents twice. He came the second time because they asked to be reminded of all the instructions that were given them and how to raise their child. And so they could do everything that was required of them for their part. In so doing, while it doesn't specifically state all the instructions given, do you not think that they taught him the ways of the Lord? and what to do, and how to actually have a relationship, not just knowing about him. But yet, how did Samson live his life? Did it reflect that? No. Even at the very end of his life, what did he ask for? Give me my strength back so I can avenge myself from my own two eyes. So he could take vengeance. Which says vengeance is mine. The whole thing was to do his for his own... I'll say selfish gain, pride, whatever he wanted to do, not glorifying the Lord. So, again, his parents received all the instruction necessary and required to teach and to encourage and admonish and exhort and train and equip him. He never, I don't know that he never received, but it clearly was never truly applied to his life. Yeah, he had incredible gifts that the Lord gave him. But there was a lack. We should guard ourselves so that we don't experience the same things. 
that there's nothing lacking, right? That's what Paul is saying. Throughout all of the, the epistles, the letters that he writes, it's always so that they could be lacking nothing, that they're not deceived, that they're not easily swayed, mm-hmm. but that they can stand. That, that's the, the hope and the goal always as a parent, that they, the children, those that they are raising and teaching and training and pouring into, that they are able to recognize and do what's needed. As, and by that, I mean what the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, is leading them in any, every situation and moment. But that comes from a choice. And not the parent's choice, but everyone else's choice. Yours, mine. We have to individually come to that, make that choice, come to that place to, and say, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do and stand in it and remain. And in order to do that, we have to dedicate ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord in every area and aspect of our life. We can't hold back anything. How much sense does that make to invite someone to live with you and to, to remain, to dwell, abide in you, right? Yes. Or dwell in, in your life, but yet you restrain them to the entryway. Can't go in this room, can't check that closet. Don't look in these boxes. It's not for you. It's not really living. Right? Yes. So what if it was you that was experiencing that, you would say, what was the point and purpose of inviting me here? As a spouse or, or whatever the case is, right? Yes. It's pointless. So why do we do that with the Lord and His Holy Spirit? The whole point is to not do that. And invite Him in fully. So... Back to this, it's Paul's desire for everyone that they can fully enter in. Right? And as he says in Thessalonians, blameless, right? All these without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Only the Lord can do it, but we, each of us individually, has to come and come to that place, make that choice that we're going to do the things that glorify the Lord, that make him pleased with us only, regardless of what. Anyone, man or whoever says. You understand? Yes. Did anyone else have thoughts that they wanted to share? Promise? Kind of in verse 24, where Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church. I found an interesting feat. The Lord showed me the scripture because, kind of like Paul, he wasn't joking back. He was teaching the people. He wasn't just keeping himself, sorry, keeping his knowledge to himself. So you meant he was sharing the word willingly versus going, yes. I'm going to make it. That's all good. As long as I get in there. Mm-hmm. Who cares about everybody else? 
So Lord showed me that. It was. That's how we should work when. That's how we should be working in Christ. We shouldn't just care, be so selfish and not sacri- sacrifice. Yeah. Not sacrifice other things to teach other people about what you've learned. Okay. Go ahead. Do you have something else to say, sweetheart? Okay, so we should willingly share the word of God that he's comforted us with, that he's changed our life with, regardless of what it might cost us personally. Yes. Surely Paul could have sat in the corner somewhere and just been sucking up the word of God and enjoying it and growing and manifesting or maturing. But if he had just sat on the word for himself when God called him to go share it with the Gentiles, will he, would he have reached his fullness? No. no. Would he receive the crown of glory? <laughs> no. Why? Because, because he, he wasn't following the commandments of the Lord. And Matthew. And either of the. I think they're called apostles? Gospels. Gospels. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he told. Ascending. Ascending. Ascending in. is up, descending is down. Ascending into heaven. In verse 18 of, sorry, chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and, the Ho- and, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> one part of the mission is not the same as the whole thing. It's not, I did a piece of it, Lord. Give me credit for that. Is God merciful? Yes. yes. Absolutely, he is. But when you have it within you, the capacity to do all that he asked you to do, does he expect all? Yes. yes. Okay, and just like you, when you look to him for salvation, or you look and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I can only bring your leg in. To heaven, the rest of you's got to go down <clears throat> to hell. The rest of you's going to have to suffer that one out in the pit. You'd be like, "Wait, <clears throat> how do you how do you choose how how can one part of me be left behind?" So, just as you want him to offer you the full weight of what he has available, offer you offer him the full weight of what you have available. Okay. Yes. All right. And, you know, God is greater. He's faithful even when we're not, but he knows. He knows the difference. And genuine love goes, Lord, let me give you my best. Okay? And not frustrate the, the grace of the Holy Spirit. Um, what does it mean for you, uh, verse 24, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body? which is the church. Did Jesus leave anything undone when no. he died on the cross? No. How do you know? Because he said he, he was finished. He had done all that the Lord had commanded him to do. And in the beginning of his ministry, 
he, Jesus, that has said that I haven't come to destroy the prophets, but to fulfill which was written of me. Mm-hmm. And so by that logic, if he was there to fulfill it, he would to in order to have something fulfilled, you would have to have all the pieces have done every step, every process, every <coughs> T had to be crossed and I had to be dotted for it to be done and completed is finished. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, he would not have said, Lord, it is finished before he gave his spirit. Okay. Because he would have been lying and he can't lie. He does not lie. And okay. also the fact that we can that Paul got yes, the fact that Paul got saved and that we're still getting saved today and all of it's that we're still living. Right. Is is healing still available? Yes. Is every other component that Jesus described in Isaiah that he would do or our captives still being set free, sight being restored to the blind, et cetera, et cetera, the fact that the manifestation of what God said and Jesus stating himself it is finished and he is not a liar lets us know that everything was done. But what Paul is saying here is that his portion, <clears throat> excuse me, which is that of every believer is to deny yourself, which brings a certain amount of suffering and to pursue Christ, right? To take up your cross and follow him, not doing what your flesh may want to do until it has been buffeted sufficiently to agree with the will and the, the plan and the ways of God. And you can see in, in some of his earlier writings how he struggled with his flesh. <laughs> it was doing things that he didn't want it to do. And he was struggling in certain areas. And you see the course that he, he went on his journey is no different than ours as believers. Buffeting your flesh, making it getting to alignment. And, and Paul going through the journey of counting everything that he had heaped up for himself. <clears throat> Pardon me. In the natural world, having to count it as dung, right? He he counted it as refuge to follow Jesus Christ. So the lacking afflictions is not that Jesus left anything undone that now Paul somehow was going to finish it. No, but Paul had a place and a journey, that a destiny that God assigned him that as we who don't seek to save our own lives but lose it willingly for Christ— the process, this is how it looked for him. This is him describing that to them. It's costing Paul something to write this letter, to finish the course that God set before him. It cost him something. Where is he writing it from? Prison. There you go. So you see there was a cost already. He, he was paying, and he had paid it and was still paying it while writing the letter to encourage others and to look out for their well-being and still to... Or in, in part, wisdom and knowledge and truth so that others could continue. Um, but why was he in, why was he doing that? Because we talked about him we preach. Well, who is him? God, Jesus. Jesus, right? What does he say in verse 27? Well, 26 and 27, the mystery has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Being conformed to the image of Christ. You see that in Romans. I'll read 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Jesus is our pattern and example. And how did he conduct his life? Absolute obedience to the Father. He lived what we'll call a fasted life. One where his flesh was so in control, where he had such control or mastered his flesh that it was never in the way. It never prevented him from hearing the Father's voice in order that he could say what the Father instructed him to say and he could do what the Father was doing or wanted him to do. That's Jesus. That's our pattern example. That's who we should be modeling our our life, both spiritual and natural, after. Our walk, everything. That's what we instruct well, you to do. That's how we teach. That's how we we live out our lives as an example. So it's not just words or lip service, but you see it in action, what it looks like. Well, do we always ace it? Is it always perfect? No. Absolutely not. It's not that we don't strive for it, though. We do our utmost to walk in a, in a manner worthy of the calling that the Lord's given us, pleasing to Him. That's the, the goal, but that's also our desire, our delight, to be pleasing to the Lord above all things. We only want to say what He has to say, and we only want to do what He has us do. And that's what we teach and encourage and admonish everyone else to do, especially you. Right? Yes. Okay. Because that's what's required. If you're looking for the standard, that's it. All right, everybody wants to find a standard. What's what's the minimum I got to do? Or what's the let me barely exceed it? Well, Christ is the standard. Yes, He gives grace. He gives it, but well, what we just explained—that's that's what's required. That's what he's looking for. Because in that demonstrates what the will, the calling, the plan, the purpose of the Lord is. When the Lord says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And he says that throughout scripture. That's his plan, purpose, covenant, that's everything. And yes, does he expound on that? Yes. Yeah, he does. But that's what's at the core. And everything that the Lord is doing, right, is about reconciling that which was separated from the Lord back to the Father. And it only happens through, well, Christ. But also us walking in a manner worthy of the calling, right? Following Christ as our pattern and example. 
Anyone have anything else they want to share? Um, yes. How you're going over, when you're going over verse 26, the Lord was reminding me of the scripture in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When reading Colossians, you, I'd say, kind of get, he says, look at all these things. Where are you at in Colossians? Verse, uh, sorry, I mean verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is in, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What Paul is truly getting at here is not the natural riches or glory, but it's more so the... Eternal? Yes, the riches you get when you know that you have done what the Lord has commanded to you. It's a lot better to do that than to have the whole world. Because if we're constantly being disobedient, it still gives the devil a foothold to do stuff in your life. And the devil doesn't just let you prosper. He tries to take it from you. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. So if we're constantly allowing him to have that ability, it profits you nothing. But when we are willing and listening to God, he's willing to bless you. But you have to do what he wants First, there's no, Lord, if you give me the blessings, I promise I'll do what you ask. Exactly. We oftentimes on the natural try to reverse that, right? Yes. If you do this for me, Lord, I'll do all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And you make vows to the Lord that you're supposed to uphold, right? It says pay your vows to the Lord, but what typically happens? They don't. That's like, oh, easy. thanks, God. And now I'm just moving moving forward with what I intended to do, which is wrong. Right, we need to repent from that. And the Lord will forgive, right? He says he will. But he also says what? Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. It's the same. He's describing the same order. But a lot of times we say, oh, well, if the Lord draws near to me, then I'll, I'll go to him, right? If he calls me first. No. We have to seek him out. He also says he stands at the door and knocks. So he's there already. We have to invite him in. Or welcome him in, I should say. So your point of seeking first the kingdom, and then all these things are added, absolutely is applicable. It has to be in the proper order. And not in... Also, in sincerity and genuineness, because it should be because we love the Lord, not because we're seeking stuff. Paul yes. Paul writes about being content in all things, right? I know what it is to be rich, I know what it is to be poor, and I'm content in all things. Why? Because money, riches, well, they're nice, right? While well, having natural stuff make a is nice, right? The goal, the focus, should always be the Lord. And if I'm fulfilling what he has called and purposed for me to do in my life, if I am fully entering into that role and moving forward, then I should be content. Right? Yes. It doesn't look like the way the world thinks. Look at Jesus himself. What's it? What does he say? 
Birds have nests and foxes have holes, but son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. There were times where clearly there was no money, right? Because, well, we know one reason, Judas pilfered from the money box, right? Yes. But yet what did the Lord always do? Always provided. Always provided food. Always provided money. Yeah, there were things that he had to do, like go tell Peter, hey, go catch go catch a fish, right? Yes. That's, and then what? It's going to have coins, one for you and one for me, to pay the taxes? He didn't fret. He didn't worry. He just Jesus got his instruction from the Lord through the Holy Spirit and then applied it, went and did it. That's obedience. That's faith. Only comes as a result of love for the Father. True, genuine love. Not looking for the riches, not looking for all those things. But let's also consider Jesus was also well dressed. Right? Yes. Or the the guards at the crucifixion wouldn't have been haggling and bartering and casting lots. That's the one, casting lots for his tunic. That was seamless, right? So clearly, he was well-dressed. He he had nice, good quality clothes. None of that mattered. Just his delight, his desire was to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. Above all things. But he also, let's look at how he, he sent out his disciples. Each time, what did he tell them? Another tunic, not another pair of sandals, not a sack of money. Just go. Right? Stay with who's reputable in the city, who will welcome you in. Right? Yes. Okay. He was teaching them total trust and dependence on the Father. That the Father would provide all of their needs. Now again, there are things that we have to do, right? Yes. Yes. We have to do what the Father tells us to do. Paul, as we're reading, he made tents. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, and he also had people that contributed to his ministry. But in all things, we see the same pattern. They did whatever the Lord was having them to do. They were obedient to it, to him, and to the instruction that the Father gave them through the Holy Spirit. And they were content with that because that's their delight. That's their desire. They trusted that the Lord could take better care of them than they could of themselves. Hmm. Sometimes we do have a different perspective of what good care is (laughs) in comparison to what God thinks about it. It's very interesting. Hmm. Anyone else? No. No. Did we discuss verse twenty-six already? We were, yeah. Um, not super in depth. If you want to cover that, please. Let's okay. do. 
the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? Jesus. Okay. What about him? God. It's more still. <laughs> Is your mustache giving you any clues over there? <laughs> your pink fuzz on your upper lip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when Paul said it. <clears throat> well, he's definitely telling us right here. Mm-hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the mystery. That was something they they knew they were looking for a Messiah. Because of their fleshly nature, they didn't understand the capacity in which he would come, even though there had been um, insight given into this place before. They saw it from natural terms, so they didn't fully comprehend Jesus when he was made manifest in the flesh. But here he's talking about the mystery is this, that Christ will live and dwell in you, right? Jesus had already spoken about this, I will abide in you, and you will abide in me. The Father and I are one. We will make our abode in you, right? That we will come yes. and make um, our abode with you, our tabernacle, our habitation. We will come and be a part of your life forever, living on the inside of you. Yes, that's John 15, starting in verse 4. And there will basically there will be no separation between us. I don't think they fully comprehended that this was possible. They had experienced the the Holy Spirit, His presence being on people, and when and the the tabernacle and things of that nature that were built and constructed according to the word of the Lord, and um, under Moses's ministry, were replicas. They were to give an example to them of how to perceive this. What did He say to Joshua? And what did it say about him, that he didn't depart from the presence of the Lord, right? Yes. yes. So a couple of people got that, that understanding that it's possible to dwell with him continually, not have to go out and come back in and go out and come back in, but he will be with us always. You read that earlier, Layla, that he will be with us even to the end of the age, right? How could that be possible if Jesus was physically somewhere different and we were physically somewhere different? And then if you look at it and if you perceive it in natural terms, there's one physical body that Jesus habitat <laughs> maintained that he lived in, and we have one physical body. How can we pass beyond this limitation, right? Yes. And even the disciples, when they were with him, didn't want him to leave. And he's got, Jesus was like, no, there's, there's more to come. There's this better. There's, there's another phase where he can be in all of us at the same time versus he's only in Jerusalem and whoever can get there to see him can see him. But if they're on the, they got there too late, they're on the far side of the crowd. They don't have time to get there before Jesus leaves or going to another mission. 
<coughs> excuse me. Um, so the hope of glory. What does that mean? What's what is it that we're striving for as believers? To be one with the Lord. Okay. But if you could boil it down to one thing, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? It's real simple. Because you want to go to heaven, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. You guys try to be all pious right? and scholarly. <laughs> it's it's got to be a really eloquent answer or some right. way I can phrase this. Yeah. I want to go to heaven yeah. and I don't want to go to hell. Hell is eternal separation from Christ, right? Heaven is eternal communion and oneness with him no more separation but he's saying that this is available now when we come in through the blood of jesus christ we're able to have a sampling if you will the holy spirit he seals us right he marks us for that 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 day of salvation but now today we can each have him walking with us not just the king who's been anointed not just the high priest getting to go between the holy behind the holies of holies behind the veil not just the one experiencing that, but to all who would dare to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's available to you to have him on the inside of you so you can go, Lord, what do you think? Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I be concerned? Should I cast that care on you? Which is, there's no need to ask that question. The answer's already been given. Cast all your care. But right? most importantly, what are your thoughts on the matter? Mm-hmm. What are your ways? How do, how do I handle it? Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to be. What's the truth? That's one of my favorite my favorite things to ask the Lord is tell me the truth, Holy Spirit, because I know it. He's going to tell me the truth. Doesn't matter what comes to show up and try to deceive or distract. He cuts straight through it. He goes right to the. He's always going to tell me the truth. That's his one of the main roles that the whole that Jesus described. Tell me the truth, Holy, you know, to guide us into all truth mm-hmm. and to show us things to come. Um, so when you, as you study the scripture, don't, don't glaze over things that seem superficial, but yet you don't fully understand them. You haven't committed them to your, to your memory and to your being. Christ is on the inside of you. And Christ is not Jesus's last name. It's referring to his anointing as Messiah. His place. He is God. Absolutely. Yet he is still Messiah. He is the entry point, the gate, the way, the truth and the life, mm-hmm. the intercessor that we have before the Father, right? Yes. yes. Okay, so he's on the inside of you. You don't have to go fly off anywhere to find him. You don't have to trek to the top of the mountain and sit in a cave for 30 days to get an answer from the Lord. He's on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit is with you and in you and upon you. Same likewise with the Father. They have come to dwell on the inside of us. That is something to be esteemed highly. God is greater, right? We have the greater one living on the inside of us. That is how we overcome the world. We overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb. And the, word what, of our the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Okay, the blood gave us the opportunity to have oneness with God the Father. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. So now the word of your testimony is, I've got the greater one living on the inside of me. He teaches me all things. 
right? He guides me yes, into all yes. truth. He shows me things to come. Holy Spirit, show me things to come. Declare to me what the will of my Lord and Savior is at and then, this time. And then do it. And then do it. Mm-hmm. But the, the mindset of making that a part of your habit to ask the Lord because he's in you, to invite him, to welcome him, to have an opportunity to speak mm-hmm. on a matter because he's on the inside of you, um, become, as Kenneth Copeland says, God on the inside minded. Be, be focused on that instead of being focused on, well, this is what the world's doing. They said they are doing this. They, I need that. But focus on the answer. He who is the answer lives in you, dwells in you, abides in you, wants to be there, wants to help you, wants to make known to you the secret things that belong to him. Okay? Yes. All right. We have a, God has a portion, we have a portion. Make sure your side is covered and you've done everything that he's asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Is there something you want to say, honey? No, I just want to encourage everybody to to come into that because um, we'll, we'll go back to verse 29 for a second where we, we're talking about Paul and his his labor and striving that that people would get it, mm-hmm. that they would understand, that they would know and completely enter into that the wisdom of Christ. Mm-hmm. Not just knowledge of about him, I should say, but the actual relationship of who he is. And the communion and fellowship that, that follows. And not to depart from that. Mm-hmm. And you can look throughout all of Paul's letters, and you could almost hear the pain in there about remain, apply, continue to walk in the Spirit, in the Lord, right? Just like with Joshua, don't depart from the tent of meaning, remain, stand in Him. Stand in his promises and in his presence. Regardless of what's happening around you, what the world's saying, right? Don't be deceived. Be careful. Watch yourselves. Right? Like, I don't know, as I read that verse 29, you can you can all but hear the pain and the concern. Well, the word labor certainly carries the tone of a mother. Absolutely. In the midst of bringing forth her child. Right, and Paul writes about that, and in at least one of his letters says, "Like a mother, I've done these things, but then also as a father, I've done these things." Mm-hmm. Not that they're, mm-hmm. he's condoning being single parents or not, right? It just these are the situations and circumstances. He wants to ensure Paul does that we get the fullness of Christ, mm-hmm. and we we not just get it, but we remain in in the Lord's fullness. Mm-hmm. So, I guess for me, that's that's my prayer for for all of you, not just mm-hmm. the ones sitting at this table, but all of you listening as well. That we all get it. That we all adhere to to the Father and to His Son, being conformed to the image of Jesus, the Christ, the mm-hmm. Messiah, the Anointed One, mm-hmm. who is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we remain in there and abide in them. And we are infilled with them, with the Holy Spirit. They're dwelling on the inside of us. Mm-hmm. So, my 
prayer is that everyone would remain, that they would stand in the Lord and in the things of Him. Mm-hmm. Place your hope in Jesus. Amen. Because the one who does will never be made ashamed. Who wants to close out in prayer? All right, promise. Lord, I just thank you for giving us the opportunity to share your word and just teaching us how to do that so we don't become selfish or ignorant of what you're doing. In Jesus' amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love you. I hope you have a marvelous day. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.